This is the Jesus Freedom Podcast, and I am your host, Jamie Roundtree. Thank you for listening to the Jesus Freedom Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to continue the series, The Suffering Love of Jesus. This is part three. We've all been hurt in relationships, whether it's small things or major things. I think you'll be encouraged and find this episode helpful in overcoming betrayal. Listen and enjoy. Have you ever heard the name Benedict Arnold? If you're an American, you're probably familiar with his name. He's one of the most infamous and notorious traitors in American history. He was a hero, actually, in the Revolutionary War until he planned to betray the American rebels at West Point. But George Washington found out and he stopped the plot. But unfortunately, Benedict escaped and joined the British armed forces against the Americans. Benjamin Franklin wrote about him and Judas. He said Judas sold only one man, referring to Jesus, and Arnold sold three million, referring to those fighting and believing for independence against Britain. His name, like Judas, is synonymous with treason and betrayal. In the movie series, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo and Sam were on their way to Mordor for the purpose of destroying the Ring of Power. They encountered the ring's former possessor, Gollum, also known as Spiegel. Frodo and Gollum began to develop this friendship, kind of, but there was a trust that was formed between them. It only lasted for a short season, though. Gollum returned to his previous personality, which, which was Spiegel, and there seemed to be a hope of redemption for him. But after they were all captured, And they were going to kill Spiegel, who was also a hobbit. But the ring's power over time turned him into a grossly looking creature. Frodo spoke up and he saved his life. But their captors treated Spiegel with harshness. And he wrongly interpreted this as betrayal and trickery on Frodo's part. All hope was lost for Spiegel, and he reverted back to Gollum, and he planned to lead Frodo to a giant spider that would kill him, so he could take back the Ring of Power from Frodo. Sam, who is one of the best examples of a loyal friendship, was rightly suspicious of Gollum's treachery. But Gollum tricked Frodo into not trusting Sam. Frodo told Sam to go home, but only a few minutes later in the movie... Sam's suspicions were proven correct, and he returned, and he saved Frodo's life from the giant spider. Oh, if we could all be like Sam in Lord of the Rings. This story and the relationship dynamics played through the three movies between Frodo, Sam, and Gollum, in my opinion, is a good example of the subtle powers of darkness that seek to destroy and separate friends and important relationships in our life. In 2 Corinthians, Paul exhorts the believers in Corinth, he says, to forgive someone who has repented so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are familiar with the schemes. It tells us in the Proverbs, what is desired in a man is steadfast love and faithfulness, but a whisperer separates close friends. 
The enemy whispers in our hearts to sow seeds of suspicion. And this happens even even in a prayer meeting when someone shares something as a prayer request, but it's mixed actually with gossip. Love covers an offense, but there are times when sin must be exposed. Back in 2012, an American-Iranian pastor named Syed Abedini was jailed in Iran. He was a part of a revival of growing house churches. His wife became a hero and an advocate for him. She became connected with some of the biggest and most influential names in Christianity today. She even spoke with President Obama and many other top politicians. Her husband, Saeed, became a symbol of Christian heroism. But in the darkness, there were some secrets that threatened this amazing story of heroism and advocacy. Book and movie deals were already in the works. But a few months before Saeed's release, his wife was in Charlotte, North Carolina, speaking at Dr. David Chadwick's church, advocating for her husband. After the service, she was having dinner with the Chadwicks when she received yet again another disturbing text from her husband. Apparently, her husband was able to get a hold of a cell phone in one of Iran's most notorious prisons, and he had good internet service. She broke down and began to tell the Chadwicks what was happening, and Dr. Chadwick discerned correctly that Saeed's wife, Nagme, was a victim of abuse, and not just verbal and emotional abuse. Through the years of their marriage, he had physically abused her, including one time almost beating her to death. He also cheated on her. The last year of his imprisonment in Iran, he continued his onslaught of verbal and emotional abuse through texting. Nagme finally came to her breaking point. Through a series of events, an email leaked out and exposed the trouble in their marriage. Thankfully, Nagme's pastor and lawyer and others in her support system encouraged and fought for her. Other big-name influential Christian leaders went beyond encouraging reconciliation to really pressuring or almost bullying her into reconciling with her abusive husband. She only had a few requests, that Saeed be honest, repent, and get help, and for the abuse to stop. She had biblical reasons to divorce him, but she was not seeking divorce. She wanted her husband to get help. But these dark secrets threatened this amazing story that many, including her and her husband, could have potentially made millions from. In the end, Nagmi was vindicated. The truth about Saeed was exposed. He was not a hero, but a monster. However, Nagmi went from being a hero and an advocate to an outcast in the Christian world. Many of the leaders who helped her with advocating for her husband, now they won't touch her after the news of her troubled marriage comes to light. If you would like to hear her whole story, you can go to the show notes and you will find the links to the podcast where she tells it all. Unfortunately, stories like this one are a shame on our leaders, but not completely surprising. 
Jesus cares and came to gather the outcast. One day on the Sabbath, his disciples were very hungry, so they began to eat grain out of a field. The Pharisees complained that they were breaking the rules of the Sabbath. Jesus countered their judgments by telling how David ate the holy bread, which was only eaten by the priest. But David and his men were very hungry and on the run. Jesus was pointing out a principle that people are more important than the institutions or the rules. The point of the Sabbath was to benefit man, not man for the Sabbath. If the rules or the institution starts hurting the people, then the rules need to change or the institution needs to be dissolved. In the case of marriage, the Lord never meant for marriage to be slavery. Jesus said that the Lord delights in mercy, not in sacrifice. There's a difference between two people making sacrifices to make a marriage work versus one person becoming a sacrifice or a slave to the other spouse. The principle extends to the institution of the church and even beyond. On one hand, in the church we want a good reputation. But on the other hand, when the institution or those in leadership are hurting the sheep instead of helping, the leaders need to be removed or the institution needs to be resolved. But in the most recent years, a number of scandals have revealed a pattern where leaders are protected almost at all costs instead of the victims of their abuse, even though the Scripture tells us plainly to rebuke the oppressors. If you have been hurt or betrayed by the church or leaders or Christians, you're in good company because Jesus experienced betrayal by one of his closest disciples. Judas was a part of his inner circle. He walked, talked, traveled with Jesus. He saw the miracles firsthand and heard his teaching. Judas was a thief, though, stealing money from Jesus' ministry. Before the Last Supper, Judas had met with the Jewish leaders and received only 30 pieces of silver, a very small amount of money, to betray anyone. Why would Judas do this? Betrayal in that culture was comparable to a heinous crime. When Jesus spoke up at the Last Supper and mentioned someone was going to betray him, his disciples were surprised and perplexed. The very thought shocked all the disciples. None of them could ever imagine betraying Jesus. Peter went on to say that he would go to prison or even die with Jesus. I imagine most of the disciples felt this way towards Jesus in their hearts. Relationships in that culture were very different than they are in today's culture, especially in the, in the West where relationships tend to be more superficial. Judas's betrayal would be comparable to betraying one's own father. What were Judas's motives other than money? In the story of Benedict Arnold, we may not know exactly the why, but we have some clues. George Washington uh, didn't seem to trust him and refused to give him a promotion. Maybe Benedict resented him and felt like he deserved more honor. We don't know. In the Lord of the Rings, Gollum had been so corrupted by the Ring of Power that it not only disfigured his body, but his mind was so far gone, he couldn't discern good or evil or right or wrong. And in this world, there are people with upside-down values, and those values, or the lack of their values, have so warped their thinking in their mind that they believe evil is good and wrong is right. This goes for Christians, too. A Christian will betray another Christian in the name of the Lord. And they'll sometimes say 
ridiculous things like, I'm being led by the Spirit. We don't know Judas's exact motives other than the money. Maybe he no longer believed Jesus was the Messiah. This is just speculation. But this is what we do know for sure that it says in the Scriptures. It says that Satan entered Judas. Judas's betrayal of Jesus, whatever the human reasons are, they were empowered by the devil. Betrayal is the work of the devil. This is important to remember if you have been betrayed. I'm not telling you to let the person off the hook, but understand it was influenced by the power of the devil. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying, Father, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, let your will be done. Jesus decides to do the will of the Father, and the angel of the Lord appears before him and strengthens him. He gets up and goes back to his disciples, who are still sleeping, and he tells them to wake up. Here comes my betrayer. Judas is leading a band of men, a detachment of Roman soldiers and temple guards carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Judas had given them a signal so that they would know which one was Jesus. Once Judas sees Jesus, he says, Greeting, Rabbi. And he gives them the signal, a kiss on the cheek. Jesus responds, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? The band of men step forward and they take hold of Jesus and arrest him. Peter takes out his sword, ready to fight for the one he loves, cuts off the ear of the servant of the high priest. Jesus tells him to put his sword away. He has the authority to call down thousands upon thousands of angels from heaven. But all of this was happening so that scriptures would be fulfilled. Jesus asked the band of men, Am I a dangerous revolutionary that you come towards me with swords and clubs? Haven't I taught openly and daily in the temple? But once again, Jesus' hour had come, and these things happened to fulfill what the prophets had foretold. After Judas realized that Jesus was going to be condemned to death, he felt remorse. He went back to the Jewish leaders to give them back the money and told them, I have sinned and I have betrayed an innocent man. The Jewish leaders responded callously, That's your problem? We don't care. Judas threw the money down and went out and hung himself. Later on, while Jesus was hanging on the cross in an unimaginable agony, he prayed to the Father this most incredible prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Let's move on and discover three principles to overcome betrayal. The first principle is this. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 2, since Jesus has been through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Remember that the God who loves you became a man and has experienced the same kind of suffering you are going through. And he is a merciful and a faithful high priest, and he's able to strengthen you and help you make sense of it all. The second principle it's in Matthew 18. Jesus tells a story about a king who was settling accounts and he had a debtor that had borrowed millions of dollars and he couldn't pay it back. The king was going to sell him and his family into slavery to pay back the debt. But the debtor fell down before the king and asked for mercy. He begged him to be patient and he said he would pay it back. The king had pity on him and forgave all his debts. The same debtor or man, after being free from all of his debts, 
goes out and he finds someone who's in debt to him, but only a few thousand dollars, and he demands he pays it back. This man's debtor falls on his knees and asks for mercy, just like he did before the king just moments before. But instead of having pity on him, he threw him into prison. When the word got back to the king on what happened, he was furious and he rebuked him and threw him into prison. The point of the story is that if we refuse to forgive, it puts us in a prison. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation or justice, but we forgive because he has forgiven us and it helps set us free. It's helpful to remember that even if we're not guilty in a specific case, we're not perfect, and we've all done things to hurt people and should extend mercy. Also, as I mentioned before, it was Satan who entered Judas. Betrayal is a work of the enemy. It's helpful to look past the person who has betrayed us or betrayed you and the why and and understand this is the work of the enemy. This doesn't mean that Judas or someone who betrays you isn't responsible for their actions, but it's helpful to understand who the real enemy is. It's not the person who betrayed us. As Jesus said on the cross many times, they don't even know what they're doing. Forgiveness sets us free from the power of betrayal. The third principle. In Genesis, we find another story of treachery and betrayal in the story of Joseph. Joseph was his father's favorite among his many sons. He made him a special coat to demonstrate and show him this favoritism, which is really not a good idea if you're a parent. On top of that, Joseph was having dreams that seemed to mean that one day his brothers would would bow down to him. So they probably resented him and they, they didn't like him a lot. They plotted and they sold Joseph into slavery. And as a slave, he prospered in managing his master's affairs. But his master's wife had the hots for him and tried to seduce him. But Joseph, doing the right thing, he refused. She accused him of rape, and Joseph was thrown into prison. However, Joseph had a gift to interpret dreams, and through a series of events, he goes from the prison to the palace. He becomes the second in command of all of Egypt. During this time, a famine sweeps through the land where his brothers and his family is living, who had betrayed him. They end up needing to come to Egypt for food, and they find their brother there in charge of the food distribution. Joseph forgives them and takes care of them. He says that what they meant for evil, God meant for good. Paul says in Romans, if we love him, he will work all things together for our good. The Lord sees the times that you and I have been betrayed, but he can turn the negative and turn it into a positive and use it for our good. We can't always see this clearly when we're going through it, but we can look at Jesus and see that through his suffering and betrayal, that the Father and the Son turn this great injustice into a redemption for mankind. In closing, remember you can go to Jesus and he will strengthen you and help you walk through the healing process of betrayal. He was betrayed and suffered and he's compassionate. Forgiveness is the key that unlocks the door that sets us free and helps us move on with our life. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. The person must be willing to repent, take responsibility and get help if they're an abuser. 
this requires a support system for victims of abuse. And we need to encourage victims of abuse to speak up and we need to listen. Sweeping things under the rug to protect our church's reputation usually ends up backfiring and hurting our reputation because we didn't help the oppressed. The scripture tells us plainly, rebuke the oppressor. Let us stop being cowards and stand up for the oppressed and do what's right. And listen, it's easy to do that when it comes to political and moral issues like abortion. And when there's no risk involved and we, you know, sound like a righteous hero. But somehow we mysteriously go blind and deaf when we hear or encounter abuse in the church or in someone's marriage. We think about the reputation of the church. Well, I ask, what about God's reputation? So I repeat it again. Let us stop being a bunch of cowards and stand up and rebuke the oppressor. Thank you for listening to this episode, part three of The Suffering Love of Jesus. I hope you found this episode encouraging and helpful. If you would like to reach me with any of your questions or comments, you can do that at the Jesus Freedom Podcast at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, the Jesus Freedom Podcast. Once again, thanks for listening, and I hope you have a great day.